Mary Byler here today on another episode of Plain Rainbows. I'm here with my co-host James Schwartz and a special guest Joey. Joey is somebody who was raised Baptist and was a seeker and he had quite the journey as he tried to find some form of spiritual help. Thank you Mary. Uh yeah, it's been a, quite a journey. Um, I would uh, say that I had an interesting experience growing up in a preacher's home, in a, a fundamentalist Baptist preacher's home. Um, I was a, a PK and an MK, a, a preacher's kid and a missionary's kid, um, living in Canada. Uh, we lived in Ottawa, Canada. Um, I was originally from the Sugar Creek, Ohio area uh, where I was born, uh, but my Dad moved our family to Virginia and went to uh, Liberty University. And uh, then I was about five when we moved to Canada and spent most of my childhood growing up in Ottawa, Canada, big city, lived out in the suburbs and uh, just grew up uh, in a pretty strict religious environment. Um, everything I knew about God and uh creation and the stories in the Bible were taught to me from my parents. And uh, growing up in the church, I learned to play piano and sing and uh, was involved in the nor the normal uh, activities of, of a teenager growing up uh, in that environment. But uh, I always, always felt a little bit different. Um, and I wasn't sure exactly what that was. But um, something was different about me, and I didn't fit in necessarily. I didn't feel like I fit in. And um, so when I got old enough to, you know, the pressure of trying to date someone, you know, it was time to think about dating. Um, and I was thinking about my future life, what I wanted to be, uh, where I wanted to live, what I wanted to do for work. Um, the challenge was to uh, find my way with all of that. And in that process, I came across some Amish people. Uh, we actually moved, uh, our family moved from Canada to southern Michigan, and we lived in a little town called Sturgis. Um, yes, that's that's where I'm from. Just for the record, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you're, wow. you're, our second, you're our second guest here from Sturgis, or, or somewhat from Sturgis. So that's pretty great. <laughs> 
So That's it was crazy. It was a huge move to move from Ottawa, Canada to small town Sturgis, Michigan. And uh, I just, you know, it was quite a culture shock. And I got a job as a, a grocery boy in the Kroger grocery store. And some Amish buggies pulled in the parking lot. And, you know, I was from the big capital city of a foreign country, you know, and here I am in small town America with these Amish buggies pulling in the parking lot. <laughs> and uh, so I was curious and I asked these people, you know, a reason of the hope that lay within them, you know, what is this? <laughs> and uh, the people were very friendly and I actually met uh, through that connection, I met some Old Order Amish, I met some Beachy Amish, and I met some Mennonites. And these people were friendly and invited me into their home and talked to me about Baptist history, Anabaptist history. And how I was raised was I was taught that the Baptist church in America was the direct descendants of the Anabaptist movement in Europe. And that we were Anabaptists, we just dropped the Anna part. <laughs> and when I started to talk to the Amish, they were like, no. Uh, no. <laughs> That's no. not right. <laughs> wow. So it began a really spiritual journey for me because it really challenged the bedrock of my faith. Why did I grow up in a Baptist church that preached, you know, hellfire and brimstone, God and country, wave the star-spangled banner, you know, glory, hallelujah, we're go all going to heaven because once saved, always saved. All of those concepts were there. And uh, if your country calls you for duty, you go and you fight and you do what, you know, for God and glory, you know, and my father was actually a veteran, you know, a highly decorated veteran from the Vietnam War. So it was very interesting for me to meet these Amish and Mennonite people and then start to read the Sermon on the Mount again. And, you know, my, my Baptist self was training to be a preacher uh, in the Baptist church. And so I was very familiar with the scriptures. But we focused very much on Ephesians and Corinthians and Romans, and we did very little in the Gospels. So when it came to Jesus's actual words, instead of Paul's, we didn't listen to that much. So we kind of glossed over the verses that said, love your enemy, blah, blah, blah. So that really challenged me. So I started to embrace those concepts and what I thought was plain and simple living. And I look back now in the past and I say, you know what? I think there was a deeper motive for me wanting to so-called rebel as a teenager and join the Amish. There was something deeper inside that I was trying to fix. I was trying to purify. And I thought that wearing black and being almost monastic, you know, in the sense of living this ascetic lifestyle would somehow purify what I felt was a deadly sin deep, deep inside of me. And that was, I liked guys, you know. So to be clear and clarify, so in your Baptist church, gay people were not accepted? 
No, 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 no. It was preached hot and heavy uh, against uh, anything to do with being gay. Uh, effeminacy was was brought up as a very foul sin, uh, so much so that a Baptist preacher in his suit and tie would tiptoe and prance across the platform in the church to mock men being effeminate or sissified and say how evil and sinful that was and refer to San Francisco as the place where those people were, you know? So I, I had no idea that gay people existed anywhere else. You know, I thought they only lived in San Francisco. Wow. <laughs> was it mind boggling to find out they're everywhere? Yeah, well, it was my, <laughs> it was mind boggling to find out that I was one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was a journey. Um, so through my teens into my early 20s, there was a really strong um, situation there where I struggled with the Baptist identity and the Anabaptist identity and really pushed to try and be spiritual in my own right, uh, apart from how my parents had had told me to be. And and all of that was trying to cover over my sexual attraction to other guys. Well, so, speaking of San Francisco, Joey, how aware were you of like Harvey Milk and the, the gay rights movement that was happening? I, was that I didn't know any of that. That I was see. never heard of that till I was like 35 or 36. Uh, I had never heard of Cher. I'd never heard of Madonna. Uh, I had never danced. I never wore shorts, never went to the beach, never had a drink. You know, I, I mean, I lived a very strict life. So, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so, um, well, I'm, but, I'm glad you got. I'm glad you got your gay education later in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. You, you know, that's that's important. Is to that's important. find out that yeah, the history. Yep. So, if there's any if there's any kids out there who don't know who Harvey Milk is, by all means, you do need to know who that is. And yeah, history for sure. And I'm I'm very thankful for some of those pioneers that I've begun to learn about that paved the way for me to be able to have a, a, an understanding of who and what I was. You know, so uh, I'm thankful for them for sure. Can Can I share really um, something I always find interesting? It's like, so when I was growing up in my Amish church, the one that I left from, there were the the lesbians on the corner that we didn't even name them. It was just the women that lived on the corner lot. We don't talk to them. We don't look at them. It's mm -hmm. like they don't exist. Right. Like that. Yeah. But I'm thankful that they did that because it was kind of like a, no, it didn't sink in for years. But it kind of like opened my eyes to there are other people like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that was one of the things as I grew, you know, to like 19 years old was kind of a real seminal moment for me because I was graduating from high school and it was time for me to go into some sort of a career. And, you know, I was training to be a Baptist preacher. My dad was a Baptist preacher. I was trained to be one. And this Amish thing, this interest in Anabaptism was so strong that one night um, it, my dad and mom were very upset with me 
because I had started to wear a straw hat and suspenders and stopped wearing a tie to church and stuff. And they were very upset, very uncomfortable with my notions and ideas about spirituality and practical Christian living. And so they gave me an ultimatum. It's either the Amish or us. And I thought so strongly that I needed to hide this deep sinfulness inside of me that the only way to do that was to embrace this new concept of spirituality that I had learned from the Amish. So I got up off the couch. I walked towards the door. It was two in the morning. We had been up all night arguing and I put my hand on the doorknob and my dad said, he, he grabbed me by the shirt collar and he pulled me back and he took off his belt and he started to flail me with his belt and was just hollering at me. And I believed in non-resistance. So I just curled up and fell over onto the couch and he called the preacher of the church, the, the other pastor of the church. And they came over and they counseled me and they said, you've got to let this go. The, the, Satan is trying to get you to leave your calling of God to be a, a preacher and, and go plow fields with the Amish all your life. And wow. so that wow. at 19 years old, I just was totally crushed by that at 19. And I said, you know what, dad, I can't read the Bible. I can't pray. I can't understand what God wants me to do because every time I read it, I think it wants me to do what the Amish say, and you say the opposite. And so I'm just going to let you be the, the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'm not going to read my Bible or pray anymore because you're in charge. And I was training to be a preacher. <laughs> oh so that was, that was intense. But what happened from that is I... I swallowed the party line. I did what I was supposed to do. And that was get married, have kids, rule my household well, because in Timothy, it says a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, ruling his household well. And so I did the program. And for 10 years, from 19 to 29, basically, I lived a lie to please my parents to keep the peace and to try and, and make life work. And it wasn't working. I wasn't myself. I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't at peace. So in 2000, I, after Y2K, we had this watch night service at the church, the Baptist church, where we stayed up all night. We prayed the new year in. And after the service, I told my dad I needed to talk to him because I needed to discuss something important. And I told him at that time that I couldn't continue being a Baptist preacher, be a missionary to Scotland, do all of that. I had to step back from those duties and follow, follow what I felt were, were the beliefs that I had come to embrace. And, and all of that was still stirring in me because of the journey that I had where I was married, I had kids, but I still liked guys. I was still interested in guys. And there was nothing I could do to erase that, to fix that. Um, no amount of Bible reading, praying, studying, um, you know, could fix it. So I thought the answer was to be ascetic 
and to step back from the worldly modern life and go to this plain living, you know, horse-drawn, black, black bumper type lifestyle that I perceived from the outside was an idealistic life of back to nature, plain and simple living. So I, you know, at, at, in 2000, I was 20, 28, 29 years old. And I moved my wife and two children at the time to Pennsylvania. And we visited with some very conservative brethren groups um, and eventually joined the old German Baptist Brethren Church, which is a very conservative old order group. They have cars, black cars. And, and where are they at? And they're in, uh, the group that I was in was in Berks County, um, near Reading, Pennsylvania, um, north of Lancaster. Okay. And um, so they were very similar to the Amish, um, you know, broad brim, black hats, beards, suspenders, the whole nine yards. The women had head coverings and cape dresses. And uh, we had meeting houses, very plain white meeting houses. And um, so I joined them. Um, they had immersion baptism, which was what I was similar used to in the Baptist church. Um, and for about seven years, I was in that group and it went well in the sense of uh, I felt like this was a spiritual home for me. And I learned a lot and there were some good experiences there, but the gay thing was still an issue. And eventually I, I just, I ended up confessing to one of the, the ministers that I had this issue and I needed to get it fixed. And they, they tried to fix it. And uh, what happened was eventually um, they excommunicated me. And that's quite a long story, which is another another episode maybe, but um, I eventually came out and when I was separated from the church, the old German Baptist Brethren Church, um, I, you know, went through a separation with my family, from my children, from my ex-wife, and, uh, but I came out and I found people that embraced me and loved me and helped me be who I really truly was. And That's when so I... When I clicked, when that clicked in my head to stop fighting this and start accepting this as who and what I was, I became so much happier and I was relieved of this tremendous stress that had been in my life of, of trying to fix something from how I was made, you know? So right, right, when right. I, I'm so sorry for stuff like that is, um, just hearing that it sounds really traumatic spiritually, but, and I'm so sorry that you had to experience that, the unacceptance and the beating by your father, all of that. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm, I'm really, my heart goes out to you. If anybody is out there and you're struggling like that, or you were in a situation like that, please reach out. Um, there are resources that are available. We will be happy to connect you with resources. Yes, I, I would say don't don't close up. Reach out. There are there's P flag. There's there's groups out there that you can call and contact. That's what I did. I called P flag, and they put me in contact with some people that that could help me. 
Oh. And uh, that was a lifesaver. Yep. There's a, there's also Glad and what you got, Key James? Flag. Key Flag um, used to put out um, a newspaper and they would distribute the, the newspaper um, to all the gay bars and clubs back when we went to gay bars and clubs. Um, mm -hmm. But that's that's who published my first my poetry was P Flag, uh, Michiana's Aww. Rainbow Gazette. So yeah. uh, P Flag and another resource to throw out there would be the Trevor Project. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. the Trevor Project is pretty amazing and helpful as well. So absolutely, and you know, uh, Joey, maybe you can uh, circle back around on on you know to anybody that's listening right now that is from a plain background or an Amish background and gay and struggling uh what would you say to them you know uh in terms of um you know uh their spiritual state or um uh their options even well uh, one thing that i would like to say to that is this um you know, being gay is is really presented in the old order church as like the ultimate level of sinfulness, like the ultimate level of of abasement from God. And right. and I think what's important to realize is that each individual has their own spiritual journey and each individual has their own understanding of who and what they are. And I think the first step for anyone in an old order church, in an old order community, who feels they might be gay or they might be bi or trans or, or whichever, whichever different thing that's not accepted in the old order community, they feel they might be. I feel like it's most important to accept yourself first, accept who you are, accept what you are. And maybe you don't even know, really, I didn't, when I was in the old order, I didn't really know what gay people were or, or what it really even meant. I just knew that I was different. And I think that's what I would encourage people to do is accept and be at peace with who you are. And then reach out to somebody that can help you find your way where you can find a way to live in a more peaceful and welcoming environment. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to just drop everything you've always believed or drop everything that you've always done and just overnight, boom, you're different. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a journey. And, and there's people here that can help you through that. And I, I think that's what I would encourage you to do is, is reach out. But don't despair and feel like just because you know you're different means right. that somehow right. you're not worthy or somehow you shouldn't keep on living. That's not what you want to do. You want right. to live and be who you are. And that's what I would encourage you to do. So I have a question because I always say this as if you believe in creation and the Bible and all of that, like when it says in the beginning that God created man and he, cre he created each of us in his own image and light. So uh, I guess my question about that is, is like, do you think that when, when he created the LGBTQ people, do you think that he made a mistake? Because I feel like people that, that, treat us as less than they're, they're kind of questioning God and saying he made a mistake when he made us. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I asked those questions when I was younger and, and struggling with things. I asked those questions of Baptist preachers. I asked them, you know, of different people, plain people. Um, and, you know, the party line is that God doesn't make mistakes. Uh-huh. So, so it's impossible right, for right. him to have made a mistake. So they can't, they can't figure that out. And, and the only thing they can do is put it back on you as the individual and say, there's something wrong with you. You know, God didn't make you this way. God, you know, you're perverted or your mind is twisted or something like that. And once I realized to get over that and to stop trying to say that there's something wrong with me, then I realized that I am who I am. And whether God made me or, or however I came into being, I, I am who I am. And I'm alive and I'm valid as a human being. And my talents, my abilities, the things I'm interested in all have a purpose and a reason and sh- should be uh, strengthened and encouraged, not beat down and, and, and locked away. And most definitely not because you're gay. Right. I'm a human being just like anybody else. What did you say, James? I said that was nicely said. Thank you, Joey. That was beautiful. That's that's my heart feeling. Because I know that that's something that a lot of, like, um, the people that I have come in contact with that are LGBTQ and they come from very plain backgrounds, I know there, that's something that a lot of them have struggled with is like, well, this or this. And so like my personal feeling is like, so you have children. Mm-hmm. So when I was five, I had told my parents I was going to grow up and marry a woman. Does a five-year-old consciously make that decision? <laughs> what does she say? <laughs> um, I told my mom and my dad that, and that started like, 15 years of like child sexual assault. Oh my. And, and so that's the thing is like, I, I want people to know that one, you can't make somebody straight. If you're not straight, you are what you are. Like you said, Joey, thank you. And that's why it's so beautiful that you shared that in such a loving way. And I appreciate it very, very much. Well, the world would be such a better place if each human being could see the value in each other human being and let that value shine, you yes. know, yes. just a little, yes. yeah, yes. yeah, it really would be, you know, you might be a singer, you might be a dancer, you might be a poet, you might be an artist, you might be able to draw, you might be able to paint. Um, just because you can do those things doesn't mean you're gay, but um, if, if you are gay and you can do those things, um, you know, why you, you not have let a it bright, shine? shining future ahead of you? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not going to say that I haven't done art. <laughs> <laughs> and, and James is a poet. I don't know about you, but I really love your pink shirt. That's amazing. <laughs> Perfect for this program. Don't yes, you think, yes. James? It's, it's pretty Absolutely. perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the- you know, 
I I've really embraced the rainbow, and you know I was taught, <laughs> I was taught from a, a very little boy that God put that rainbow in the sky as a promise, <laughs> and uh, hey, I embrace it. <laughs> Bring it on. Yep. <laughs> Do either of you have any final words for our listeners and viewers? Well, I would I would like to just thank thank you, Joey, for for those beautiful words and sentiments that mean so much to me, and uh, I'm sure to any you know gay Amish person listening, because it it is a struggle. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, if if you have anything else you'd like to say, go, go ahead, Joey. Yeah, I I just am very thankful for this opportunity, and. You know, it. Each of us has a different story, but there's similar points. There's sim- similar things we've experienced, and whether you are uh, an old order person or even in any conservative religious setting um, around the world, um, there's a long history of of you know pushing down and uh, trotting under people for being different than the group. But there is a long history of those who have risen above and stood up for who, who and what they are. And all yeah. I can say is encourage anyone to have the strength to don't give up and press on and embrace who you are and what you yeah. are and find those around you that can support you in that endeavor. Yes. Thank you so much, Joey, for sharing your story, for having your kind words. And I'd like to echo that sentiment of don't give up hope. You're not alone. And please reach out if you need help. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) 